Aladdin was my seventh Broadway show. I finished it when I was 39. It's the only time they've not asked, okay, playtime over. You go to grad school now. It's the only time. It took seven Broadway shows and a title role. They were like, this is what Telly's going to do, or they just gave up. They were like, he's never going to MIT now. He's 40. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there, and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I can't believe it is June already, and that means it is LGBTQ plus Pride Month. So we'll be celebrating every single week with an amazing leader who just happens to be openly LGBTQ plus. Plus, we're part partnering with Out and Equal Workplace Advocates to bring you special episodes as well as our favorite episodes from season one and two, including great folks like celebrity chef Susan Feniger, U.S. Congressman Mark Takano, and the executive director of Women in Film, Kirsten Schaefer. Today, we have an amazing out guest named Telly Leung, who is a Broadway star and producer. But before we get to our conversation with Telly, I wanted to talk a little bit about authenticity and being a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Now, I will say I have been out of the closet since I was at least in high school, and I've always been proud to be openly LGBTQ plus in the workplace. But I will tell you, earlier in my career, I realized that there were times that I wasn't being authentic. Now, even though I wasn't in the closet, sometimes I would find myself trying to dress and trying to act like other people as opposed to being who I really was. And ultimately, that's the reason why it's so important to be out, not only openly LGBTQ+, but I'll say coming out as your authentic self. Because what I realized was I spent so much energy trying to be something that I wasn't, trying to go out and find the right suit or the right tie, that I wasn't actually bringing the important elements that were why people loved having me on a team, why people wanted me to be on a project, why people wanted Jason to be part of something. So I realized that I had to come out and be the authentic Jason that included being a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Well, I am thrilled to have Broadway star and producer 
Telly Leung on the show today. Now, Telly made his Broadway debut in the revival of one of my favorite shows, Flower Drum Song, starring Lea Salonga. Now, you've also seen him in shows including Pacific Overtures, Wicked, Godspell, where we first met, and of course, the final cast of Rent on Broadway. And he is best known as the star of Disney's Aladdin on Broadway, where he performed for three years. Telly was also involved in the development of Broadway's Allegiance, creating the role of Sammy alongside Lea Salonga and George Takei. And in 2013, he started Telly Leong Productions and began his career as a producer with credits including Grind, starring Anthony Rapp, and Broadway and Learning, a concert starring Broadway stars Adam Pascal and Eden Espinosa. I'll be back in just a few minutes with Telly Leong. Happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month, everyone. It is June, and I still remember marching in my first Pride Parade with the University of Southern California all the way back in 1992. But you know, even though most of our Pride celebrations in person have been canceled, it is still a great time to do a little bit of self-reflection and personal development. Now, the Lead With Your Brand podcast has partnered with the Out and Equal Workplace Advocates, an incredible organization that advocates for workplace equality. And each week in June, we'll be featuring an out leader with an amazing career story and personal brand journey to share. In addition, I'll be hosting two special roundtable episodes of Lead With Your Brand, where we will explore issues around the trans experience and the intersectionality of race and ethnicity and being LGBTQ plus in the workplace. Now, Out and Equal will be providing discussion guides for each of our shows, so we encourage you to use the podcast as a virtual book club with your employees resource group or a group of friends. Listen to the episodes and then schedule your own group discussion with the discussion guide as part of your pride programming and celebration. Make sure you check out leadwithyourbrand.com backslash pride for more information and to hear some of our favorite shows from season one and two that feature LGBTQ plus leaders, including the fantastic CEO of Out and Equal, Aaron Uridas. Happy Pride, everyone. And we're back. I am super excited for today's guest. He is an amazing Broadway star and producer, Mr. Telly Leong. Telly, what's going on? Jason, how are you? I am spectacular. I am so thrilled to uh, be talking to you after this whole kind of year of clampdown. I'm here coming to you live from my... Tiny 500-square-foot apartment in New York City that I share with my husband. We've been together for 16, 17 years this October. You know, my work is usually singing and Broadway belting in the living room while he's on a Zoom meeting with the Smithsonian in the bedroom. <laughs> that is the New York City <laughs> pandemic life, but it feels like, feels <laughs> like we're, we're coming out. But Telly, tell me, what is, what's exciting? What are you working on? I know you've been doing some amazing stuff the past few weeks. I have to say I'm, I'm thrilled that we, uh, a play that I worked on that we sort of pivoted and did on Audible. It's a play called the Chambori International Hotel and Butterfly Club. Club. It's written by my friend Shakina Nafak, who is a brilliant trans artist. She 
talks all about her gender confirmation procedure that was done in Thailand. She wrote an entire play about it and features all of these incredible uh, this incredible community of trans artists all all wow. that have gone through the same process and it was a really incredible and i I play the bell bellhop at this hotel <laughs> in Thailand where all of these women from around the world have gathered for this surgery and we, I take care of them and I play gamon, but we just won a drama league award oh my for gosh. best play. And, okay, this is amazing. and everybody can listen to it. It's on Audible. It's affordable. It's accessible for everybody to listen to. And it's an incredible story. So I'm yeah. really proud of that. And then I actually, I head to Japan in July. What? I'm going, I'm going to do an international company of Jesus Christ Superstar. It's a production that I did in 2019. We actually had several shows canceled due to Typhoon Hagibis, which completely <laughs> shut down Tokyo. What? And so we're going to redo the production again. Now coming out of the pandemic, I'm going to be in Tokyo and Osaka all through July. How exciting. And yeah. I, those are two of my favorite cities. Um, so Telly, tell me when you first meet someone that doesn't know who you are, how do you explain who you are and what you do? <laughs> I say that I am a Chinese-American native New Yorker storyteller. I think Ooh. most theater artists sort of uh, – that that's sort of how we think of ourselves is that it's our job to tell stories and through the telling of stories sort of create a more compassionate, empathetic world and create a little bit of positive impact, you know, for our friends who are watching a show. And, you know, they leave, they leave the theater having learned something and seeing the world – differently and hopefully having their mind and their heart expanded. So that's my, that's my job. I'm a storyteller. I love that being a, a storyteller. And I, obviously we have worked together before and we we're, we're buds, but I have to tell you, I'm also a huge fan. Tell me, oh. I don't know if you know this because I was obsessed with the revival of Flower Drum Song oh my that you were in. I had gone, you know, two or three times to see it where I was like finding people scalping tickets in the TKTS booth because I just was obsessed with that. And then you, right, that was, I think, like your broad, one of your Broadway debuts, right? That was my first Broadway show. And I was so fortunate and so lucky that it was in an all Asian cast. I was so proud of that. And I remember... The, my favorite moment in the show is at the very end of the show. It's during the wedding when Mei Li and Ta get married. And every person on that stage, and it's a stage of Asian Americans, gets to turn downstage, break the fourth wall, and actually say the city that they are from. And it's, it's a really, it was a very powerful moment to be a part of. But I know that there were so many Asian people who watched that moment on stage and, and truly felt represented on a Broadway stage because you would see a sea of Asian faces and you would, you would hear all of the cities. Brooklyn, you know, I'm from Brooklyn. So yeah. Brooklyn, New York, Hong Kong, Selden, Long Island, uh, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And you, and you realized that that was America, that America really is, you know, yes, we, we, are, we are not a huge, you know, we all may have the same skin color and the same amount of melanin in our skin, but yeah. we are all from different places. And that is the beauty of this country is that we can all come from all those different places and be there together, sharing a Broadway stage together. That's the part that I cry every time I listen to the, the Broadway cast recording. It's like the best part of that show, right? Yeah, Absolutely. I do have to tell you a funny thing because you know Sandy Allen from Flower Drum Song, right? Yes. So do you want to know that I was her HR manager at Universal <laughs> Studios and gave her a professional leave of absence to go do that role? <laughs> I, like it, <laughs> that just dawned on me because, I mean, she's such an amazing 
performer. I still think Sandy Allen got cheated out of a Tony Award for Absolutely. that for her performance in Flower Drum Song. It was incredible. Kelly, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is you've had this sort of amazing career as a storyteller, right? On television, on Broadway, touring, and and now also as a producer. When you think back over your career, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you where you really kind of got to the next level or broke through? Well, besides being a performer, I, I also am a teacher. I'm an adjunct at NYU, and I, I, I teach vocal performance at the new studio on Broadway, which is their music theater studio. And I, I teach at universities around the country, you know, Carnegie yeah. Mellon, Point Park College. I just directed a show at the University of Michigan. I just directed Godspell there with their senior musical theater majors. And I think that's because I've had incredible teachers along the way who've sort of helped me and, and helped me find those breakthroughs. I, I had a in college, I had the wonderful opportunity to work with Billy Porter. I went to Carnegie Mellon University. Billy was also an alum, and he came back to his alma mater to, and also his hometown of Pittsburgh to direct me in my senior thesis show, which was Company. And I got yeah. to play Bobby in Company for him. And you have to understand that Carnegie Mellon is a, is a theater conservatory. It's a it's an musical theater program where you are in acting class from 9 in the morning, and you don't quit until 11 o'clock at night when you finish rehearsals or your crew duties. And then you're probably going to rehearsals or crew on a Saturday as well from 10 to 4. So it's a very intense place where you are eating, breathing, sleeping theater. That is all you do. And I remember Billy pulling me into a room midway through the rehearsal process and, and saying to me, Telly, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I'm, do- I'm doing the show. I'm, I'm, I'm performing it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm acting and I'm, I'm saying my lines and I'm, you can hear me in the back row. He's like, I don't worry about that at all. He's like, I, we always hear you in the back row. You're not talking and listening. He mm. was like, acting, I know you've just spent four years learning how to walk right, how to talk right, how to sing right, how to dance right. When it comes down to it, when you're performing, you have to let all of that go and trust that all the training is there, that you know what you're doing, you know what the next line is. Nobody pays $200 for a Broadway ticket to watch your training. They want to watch you live. And wow. living means talking and listening. And it is that simple. And, I, and it was really one of those breakthrough moments where I've, I sort of realized that we sometimes get in our own way. And no matter what it is that we're doing, we're trying to do something right or trying to be what we think the other person wants us to be in that moment. And actually, we just simply have to talk and listen and be there with that person in that room, in that moment, sharing that interaction together. And it's as simple as that. Also, the simplest things in life are also the hardest things to do. (laughs) So, you know, what he was saying was what he was saying was so profoundly, profoundly simple and yet difficult. Yeah. And how amazing to get that that coaching from the great Billy Porter, right? And, and just the amazing things that he's gone on to do, not just as a storyteller, but really as an advocate for our community. Yeah. And, you know, Billy, I mean, he, he recently in The Hollywood Reporter just came out, you know, revealing his HIV status yeah. that he's not told anybody in 14 years. And it's, it's that, you know, as somebody that I, I sort of hold in esteem as somebody who is the epitome of authenticity, the epitome of a true storyteller that's unafraid to tell all the stories. Here he was being vulnerable to the entire world saying, here's yet one story I've kept from all of you. Yeah. You know? And in telling that story, I, I actually wrote him a note and I said, you know, Billy, you have no idea your courage 
to tell that story, what probably the most difficult story you've ever had to tell in your life, not only to the world, but to people you love, your, his mother, he kept it from his mother for 14 years. Yeah. You know, that, uh, your, that courage that you've exhibited, you've now given courage to so many other people to be authentic with their stories. And I remember that. I remember being in college and having a teacher like him who was so unapologetically authentic and himself, it, it sort of allowed me to do the same. Yeah. And so, I mean, speaking of being unapologetically yourself, you know, so many people know you as being Disney's Aladdin on Broadway, (laughs) right? I mean, I'm talking to a Disney prince here, but talk to me a little bit about how did you... How did you juggle being, you know, an iconic Disney prince, right? Flying on that magic carpet and then still being Telly offstage, who's an advocate and an activist and all of those other elements that are who you are? Sure. You know, by the time I had joined Aladdin and I had I I joined Aladdin in the June of 2017. I'll never forget it. You know, I had always been an out actor. I've I've been proud and out. I'm out to my family. I've I've done shows that ha- and characters in, in shows like In Transit and Rent where I've been very open and gay and I've embraced my masculinity and my femininity depending on what the role required. And so here I was now. My next gig was going to be playing a Disney prince where I was falling in love and making out with a princess eight <laughs> times a week. And, and I had to do it, A, believably, which I knew how to do as an actor, but B, I was also working for what I thought was a, a quote-unquote family company. So I wasn't sure my brand as being this very open out gay actor, I wasn't sure if that matched with the brand of the folks who were hiring me as this family, you know, family, Disney, family entertainment, family company. And what I found so striking, I was actually really pleasantly surprised. Like I said, I joined in the June of 2017, which is Pride Month. And what I didn't know when I joined the company in June was that what Disney Theatrical did was that they gathered all of the Disney employees that worked in New York City, all of them. That included ABC, ESPN, the Disney Store, all the Broadway theaters. They gathered them all at the New Amsterdam Theater, which is the home of Aladdin. They held a big brunch for them right there before all those Disney employees got on the Disney float and marched in the Pride Parade down Fifth Avenue. And they asked me, they said, Telly, since you're our new Aladdin and we know that you're somebody who's open and out and very public about it, would you host that event, that brunch for us on the stage where, you know, I would host the brunch that morning and then do two shows of Aladdin that afternoon. And I, it took me by surprise. And the best part, the part that sort of, you know, actually made me a little teary was that they said, and please invite your husband, Jimmy, to be there with us that day. And so it was one of those wonderful moments where I realized I still had hangups about that was my own hangup that I was scared to be authentic in that environment. I thought that their definition of family was much more limited than what it actually was. Yeah. I, I quickly learned that working for an awesome company like Disney, that they that their definition of family was it, it included me. It includes people like me and Jimmy. It includes people like you. It, inc- it included everybody. That they 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 defined family in so many different ways. And so I I'm very proud of of my association with them for that reason, you know, and I and I really thank them for that. It really like unlocked a door for me. It allowed me to be authentic and courageous in that building and it, and it made it a very happy place for me to go to work for 2 years. 
Yeah. I mean, I remember before before you left, you took me on a backstage tour, and I still want to know how that carpet works, but I'm sure you're never telling. Disney magic. I can't <laughs> tell if I if I do. You, you know, Mickey's going to hunt me down and kill me in my sleep or something. I don't know. That's that is I only I only don't reveal it because I will say this. It is an illusion that is done that is that they have learned. It's an old vaudevillian illusion, actually. Wow. And um, so it's an old school trick that, that gets done. However, I don't reveal it because I have very good friends who are actually magicians. And there is a weird, like, there's a very weird but solemn code that they swear by where they only share how a magic trick is done with each other but not to the outside world. And so I, because the Disney folks consulted magicians on how to make that illusion happen, yeah. I'm going to honor, I'm gonna honor the magician's code <laughs> even though I'm not a magician. And, and not reveal it because it is a really cool, it is a really cool magic trick. It's true, it's true, you know, theatrical magic that's happening on that stage. Now, I have to ask you about your work on Allegiance with Leah Salonga and the amazing George Takei. So, so tell us a little bit about that experience. I mean, uh, you know, so Allegiance is a musical that is inspired by our star, George Takei, which many, many folks will know from as Sulu on Star Trek, or maybe you know him from his very funny memes on Facebook. <laughs> but, um, but what a lot of people don't know is that he was part of the 120,000 Japanese Americans who were forced to leave their homes and were put into internment camps after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And the only reason why they were they were done that that was done to them was because of war hysteria and fear and racism and prejudice, and uh, it, it, it's it's a very dark chapter of our American history. It's also a part of our American history that has not been told very often. You know, growing up on the East Coast, that's not something I yeah. was familiar with at all. Like I, I felt like some of my friends on the West Coast, and certainly my friends in Hawaii, knew. Yeah. those stories because they had closer connections to the Japanese American community. But like growing up in the East coast, I, it was probably one line in my history book. If that, right. If that, right. And so, and so George, this has always been his passion project was to be able to tell his family story and the story of his community. I helped develop the show. I, yeah. My first developmental reading of the show was in 2000. We did many readings and workshops in New York City before taking it to San Diego for an out-of-town tryout at the Old Globe in 2012. Then we had to just wait for a Broadway theater to be available. We opened on Broadway in 2015, and our producers brilliantly recorded it, our final show, as a movie. So now you can watch it on Broadway HD. And I'm so thrilled to know that not only are they teaching this show now in musical theater history class they're teaching it in american history class and they're using allegiance as a tool yeah because there, it's one thing to read about the history in a book it's another thing to then watch a piece of theater and and connect to a story that then gives you an emotional connection to this piece of history that makes you understand what human beings what they were going through at the time it gives you perspective it gives you empathy yeah i'm really th i'm really proud of it and i know george is very proud of we're all very proud of being a part of that because we we really do feel like allegiance even though it's a show that's not running on broadway right now continues to make a positive impact. Oh, absolutely. And what was it like for you? Because you were basically playing a young George, right? With George on stage. I was very lucky that George is one of the most generous performers ever. And, you know, playing a young him is 
daunting if you think about it, <laughs> especially because he is one of those Asian actors that I looked up to. You know, uh, he, there aren't I mean, he's very like many... the Asian actor. Correct. Right? I mean, you know, when we so... were kids, that's, Absolutely. that's who it was. Absolutely. So, Telly, you have such an amazing family story as well. And I've been honored to see your your show where you tell your story multiple times. So tell our listeners a little bit about how growing up with your family and your parents has influenced you as a storyteller. I grew up in a very traditional Chinese home. My parents... Uh, actually immigrated to New York in the 70s from Hong Kong. But before they were in Hong Kong, they actually grew up in the 60s in communist China during the Cultural Revolution. Mm -hmm. And it was during that time that they, you know, Mao was taking all the kids out of school so they could march in the streets with their little red books and make big character signs. And it was was sort of the the beginning of sort of the big social upheaval that that was the Cultural Revolution. My parents growing up in the south of China and the Cantonese region realized that without education, they were not going to get very far in life. And they were part of a generation of people that were called freedom swimmers that actually escaped communist China to go to Hong Kong to seek political refuge because at the time, Hong Kong was a British commonwealth. And so, I mean, this was this was a story that they shared with me ever since I was a little kid. You know, they would go, you know, we stuck down late at night, you know, to the rip to the water. We would swim in the dark of night in shark shark infested waters to like land in Kowloon with, you know, nothing but their underwear on. And then they would find an uncle. And and that was just that was always a story I grew up with. Yeah. Um, And also uh, so. I think it was very storytelling has always been important in my family. I think they told me that story to 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 basically go telly, you know, be grateful for for sort of where you are, that we are in America, that the America, the getting to America for so many people involves a very long journey. And for them, yeah. it started with a very courageous swim in the middle of the night, you know. And so um, and so I I, uh, I, I sort of always. I, I I sort of have their storytelling DNA in me now mm-hmm. when I share stories because I, I, I understand the importance of it. And I carry that. I carry that with me. I, I, I feel like I do. I carry my parents' incredible journey from China to Hong Kong. And then, of course, their immigrant story going from Hong Kong to America crashing on friends' couches in Chinatown with nothing more than like a couple of suitcases and 200 bucks and my mom working in garment factories in Chinatown, my dad's working in Chinese restaurants as a dishwasher uh, to begin with, and then going to night school to learn English. And, and even, even the story of my name is a story. Like they named yeah. me after Telly Savalas because they watched <laughs> TV to learn English. So they named me after one of the most popular American TV stars, in the 70s. So uh, it, it's it's interesting. And, and me sharing my story has been, you know, I, I sort of do it in the in the form of a cabaret show and a one man show and in 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 an act with weaving in music and all of that. And, and I found that when I've been able to authentically tell my story, which includes their story, it'll, it opens up other people in the audience. It empowers them to share their stories with their loved ones or even people they don't know. And, and again, I think that that just creates compassion and empathy when we really need it. Yeah. And now as a little kid, did you always want to be a performer? I don't know. I, I, I think I probably wanted to be a performer, but that wasn't a conscious want. I think there was always a part of me that felt unafraid to like get up and sing or get up and hold a stage or hold space and get up and be the loudest one. I, you know, I remember, I remember singing and dancing, like, you know, I grew up as an eighties kid. Right. So like, I remember watching like, you know, 
music videos on TV in the, in the, in the 90s and like learning all the choreography <laughs> to like Janet Jackson videos and like, do you know what I mean? Like that's Five, what we four, did. Three, two, one. Yeah, totally. Right? You know, like, whole hand moves, absolutely. Right? Like, uh, yeah. All of Rhythm Nation. That's right. All of it. We know all, of, but you know, I, 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 that, that was sort of an, um, being unafraid to, to do that. I think that, you know, growing up in a generation pre everybody having a camera on their phone, pre like posting videos in social media, there was something fun about like getting up and being silly and dancing and knowing that like once a moment was done, it was done. Yeah. You know, that the, the only thing that was left of it was the memory of that, that, well, we mm -hmm. all got in the schoolyard and we like did the Janet Jackson dance today. Yeah. Like that was fun. Nobody was like videotaping it, putting up on YouTube <laughs> and then having like people comment on it or like give thumbs up or thumbs down on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it just, it well, just felt less Well, we probably have never worked again if that was recorded, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so Telly, tell me as a storyteller, as a producer, how would you describe your brand? My brand? Uh, uh, it, that's a very good question, Jason. I... And, and I feel like the discovery of my brand is something that I've had to uh, come to terms with as an individual. You know, when you enter the world of musical theater and you start to audition, especially coming from a training program, at the beginning, when you're sitting out in those, in those waiting rooms, waiting to go in to audition for something, you're constantly thinking about, gosh, what do they want? Yeah. Like, what kind of singer do they, how do they want me to sound? How do they want me to say this line? How do they want me to do this dance step in order to book the job? Yeah. What I've sort of had to learn is, oh, right, there's only one Telly Leung. Yeah. And that like what I bring to this role is going to be different than the other, than the person sitting next to me in this audition waiting room that's going to be saying the same exact lines, but they won't say it the way I say it. They won't bring to it the, the family history and the personal history I'm going to bring to this character, the humanity that only I can bring to it. And I quickly have to realize that there was power in being an individual. There was power in owning a brand, a telly brand. Yeah. Like I, I know that when, when people in show business go, we thought of telly for this, that there's something very individual that they have in mind as far as a look and a sound. And I, I wish, I wish I had better ways to describe it, except that it's just, it's me. But yeah. I also think that like, it took a long time for me to be, to accept that, that, yeah. that there is power and strength in that and being an individual and being unique and being memorable and being, being the, being the person that sticks out. Yeah. You know, our good friend, Elliot Maisie, who um, I know we've done a lot of stuff with, he was on the podcast, um, you know, in our very first launch stack. And he he told me that what he really realized is that the brand is a brand isn't really what you do. It's what's the unique value that you bring to the role. Right. And so it's interesting that that's really what you've identified what what were some things that helped you realize and or maybe be more confident saying hey i'm going to be unique i'm going to stand out from the crowd when i go into an audition or when i pitch a project that i want to produce i admire people who are individuals i there mm -hmm. are the other artists in my community that are able to really have their own voice and really be unique is very 
inspiring to me. So, um, and I will say it's not, it ha- it's not been easy. It's something I still struggle with, you know, growing up as an Asian American in this country where we are, we are bombarded by a model minority myth of yeah. how we should be, of how we should not cause ripples and waves, how we should not bring attention to ourselves. <laughs> you know, that is something yeah. hard to combat. So it is, um, it's, it's something I, I still struggle with. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and I, and I still need encouragement from my teachers, from my community, from my mentors to go, no, it's okay. Telly, like what, but really, what is it that you want to say? How do you see this as an individual? How are you going to approach this? That's different from everybody else and know that there is value in that. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about, about your parents and how they've supported, because I know part of being in the AAPI community, right? Like my Filipino Hawaiian dad was like, work, school is your work, right? And, and there's sometimes a discouragement around going into the arts as a career path. How did your parents handle that? Oh, they discouraged it. Believe me. <laughs> I mean, listen, I think as immigrant parents, they, you know, they, they, and I'm their only son, their only Chinese son. So I, they could only afford one kid. You know, my, my yeah. mom worked in garment factories. My dad worked in Chinese restaurants. So they, they were like, oh, we, we have a son. We're done. We're, we quit. We can't afford another <laughs> one anyway. And I think they had expectations of me to, you know, go to Harvard or go to MIT, be a doctor, an engineer, marry a nice Chinese girl and have lots of Chinese babies. And none of the above happened. <laughs> so like they've had to deal with all of that. And I, I remembered, you know, in the beginning of my first Broadway show, Flower Drum Song, was, it was amazing that I graduated college and I had a Broadway show to, to go right into, right, right after graduation. And yet that Broadway show opened and closed in four months. And I remembered my, my, my dad saying to me, okay, Telly, playtime over. Now you go to grad school and get real job. You know, that was a thing. He just thought it was like, did I get it out of my system? System, yeah. Right. And of course, like, and, and you know, it's interesting. Like my, my, I still do have a folder of grad schools saved on my laptop of like, <laughs> like this, this Columbia has a really great arts administration program. You know, like I, I saw, you know, it's a combination MBA. Like I still think about all of those things. And ironically, the universe sort of always opened itself up to me to say, you're not done. Like another performing opportunity would come or a producing opportunity or a teaching opportunity that sort of kept me in the business. I've always said once you're in show business, it's almost harder getting out. Yeah. You know, because there's, there's always something that lures you it's dragging back, you back in. in. Right. And some of the and some of the things that lure you back in have no price tag on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of those things. And I and I, that's sort of what I had to realize was as much as my parents discouraged me and I had a little bit of resentment for them about that, that they I was I thought, well, they're not being supportive. But I had to take a step back and, and be a, a, a little more empathetic myself and go, oh, right. They came to this country and the American dream was purely monetary. It was purely like I, I'm going to. I have these, we have these blue collar jobs. And if I work hard and save money, I can have all of the things I could not have in China, which is a, a house that I can call my own, mm-hmm. a, a car, putting my kid through college opportunity to them. Me being going to MIT and becoming an engineer meant that meant financial security. And yet what I was able to do was go, I know that I could have that. And yet I choose to do this with my life. I choose to be an artist. I choose to be a storyteller. And I know what I'm giving up in order to do that because what I get from it in return and the positive impact I can make in this arena doesn't have a price tag on it. So if you're going to ask me what it means to be on a stage and know that I have made someone feel something in the audience, I can't put a, I can't actually put a price tag on it. So, 
So, and I think they they quickly understood that. Now, granted, Aladdin was my seventh Broadway show. I finished it when I was 39. It's the only time they've not asked, okay, playtime over. You go to grad school now. It's the only time. It took seven Broadway shows and a title role. And the, until and the power they of Disney, right? And right. And, until they, I, I, either they were like, this is what Telly's going to do, or they just gave up. They were like, he's never going to MIT now. He's 40. <laughs> No, tell me, since it's Pride Month, you know, how did you how did you come out to your parents? And then I'd love to hear how did you as a young performer come out? Well, that's just the thing. I felt like I came out twice, right? Because the minute I came out and I said, hey, I'm going to go to Carnegie Mellon and study musical theater. I felt like that was the one really hard coming out because it was the it was the I'm going to disappoint them. I'm going to disappoint them and and I'm not going to do the thing that they expected of me. Yeah. Right. So by the time I actually came out and I said, mom and dad, I, th- you know, I'm, I think I might be gay. They were like, of course you're gay. You're an actor. Of course. you're." <laughs> like, it, was, it was almost like a, it was almost like a, uh, of course it was like a uh, typical. Right. And, and so, I mean, I joke about it, but that really is, that was sort of like their, and I think in the back of their mind, I think they always thought maybe this is this, like the acting thing is also a phase and it became really real when, when they met Jimmy, when they met my husband yeah. and they were like, oh, this is for real. And I have to say when it was for real, that was the real coming out. When they realized this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with and then eventually marry and ha- own an apartment with all of those things that you, we, I'm going to adult with this person Yeah, that they, they went <gasps> like, I think that was the real coming out. And, yeah. and that part of it took a long time. It, it, it took, I would say a good decade until we got to a place where we really felt like a family. And, and you know, and during that time, did, did I wish it happened faster? Of course. But I also think that it was important, and Jimmy also encouraged this of me, to, to, to have patience with them. As long as it took me to come out to myself, to feel, to feel the courage to be able to admit to myself who I was, it's going to take them that amount of time, if not longer, to, to sort of come out to understand that part of me, that part of me that, again, I, I didn't tell them every step of the way when I was coming out. I didn't even, I sort of even kept loving theater in the closet. I went to a math and science high school in New York City, and I did theater for fun after school. And uh. I like, I took an after school job to make money to take voice lessons behind their back. Like it was something that wow. I knew was sort of taboo. Yeah. So I, so I like for a long time kept it from them and, you know, was auditioning for, for, performing arts colleges and got in and they, you know, that was something that I sort of revealed to them when it came time to go, okay, like I have to go away to college and this is what I'm going to major in. So like, I felt like I sort of did have to come out of the closet twice. Yeah. And what about being a young performer? I I mean, sure. People in the industry were telling you like, don't be, don't be open, right? Like that's going to prohibit you from getting cast in things. Yeah. You know, theater training back in my day and I, I was in college late nineties and I graduated in 2002. Right. So like, you know, back in those days, they never quite said butch it up which is really what they were trying to say. Yeah. They would always say it would be coded in yeah. a way where they would say, um, Telly, I need you to embrace the masculinity of this role, or I need you to approach this role as a young man and not a boy. You know, <laughs> So like, there were certain ways that they would say it that was coded yeah. to say butch it up. Because but even back in the early 2000s, it wasn't, you couldn't necessarily say that. And it was just not, it was not okay to say, it was not okay to say that. And it's still not okay to say. And, and I think now it's very interesting. And now as a theater teacher where we are now much, 
embracing. We are embracing different, we are embracing actors to embrace their femininity and their masculinity. We're understanding that their authentic selves, that they may, that they they are not necessarily male or female. They might be non-binary. They might, they, 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 they might have their own gender identifications. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I, and that's okay. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's, it's interesting. And we are, we are also getting more and more trans students. Mm-hmm. So then it's about learning how to, how to like teach a voice lesson for somebody who's going through a, a, a gender transition or a gender confirmation process that doesn't have a, a, a traditionally male or female voice. And what yeah. is that anymore? What is traditionally male or female anymore? So like, you know, for, for us, it's, it's an ever evolving process and theater training has changed and yeah. for the better actually, because we are understanding that human beings, you know, that, that, that the types that we, we used to go by, the, the stereotypes and the archaic archetypes we used to go by are no longer exist and nor should they. So a couple of final questions. Um, I love talking about your brand and personal brands, but what is your favorite brand? What is Telly obsessed with? What is your must have brand as a consumer? Oh my gosh. Well, there are so many. What am I? What am I currently? Well, I'm addicted to RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> so actually, I think RuPaul is a br- is a brilliant at the branding. Yeah, she. You know, it's everything down to like the laugh. You know, it's like the it's like the car the car sounds of the drag yeah. race <laughs> that like ends the commercial or like I mean all of yeah. those things that are that are theme and variation that are motifs that get repeated. You know, those are sort of words in my in my world, in the artistic world, in the theater world, but she's doing them in a way where she's created a brand for herself. Now, if you were a type of car, what type of car would Telly be? You're asking the wrong person because I, <laughs> do, I haven't- Because you're a I, born and bred I'm New a New Yorker. Yorker. Gosh, I haven't owned a car since 2000. <laughs> it's, been, it's been 21 years. <laughs> well, here, I'll, I'll give you a, a better one. What is the favorite role that you've played and why? Oh, I, I would say my, uh, my favorite role I've ever played was probably Angel in Rent. Oh, and If I why? had to pick one. If I had that to pick San- one. The Santa outfit? Absolutely. Well, <laughs> you know, that, first of all, to me, a- a- Angel in Rent is, is somebody who is HIV positive and is able – he really does embody No Day But Today, which is sort of the theme of that yeah. show. And I think he, he is somebody that – you know, at the end of his life makes a conscious decision to live out the rest of his time with his friends, with love and compassion, and to be grateful for every minute that he's given. You know, he, he is somebody that understands that tomorrow is a gift, you know, that if he gets to wake up tomorrow and he still has the people around him that he loves, that that is a, a true gift, that every moment we're given is a gift. And that's, that's the gift that he sort of leaves his friends even after he dies in the show. Spoiler alert, he dies. But like, you know, he, um, <laughs> but, but, I, but I think that's, it, it's, it's inspiring. Every time I get to play that role, I feel some of that does, you know, even after I wash the makeup off, that message doesn't get washed off. Like that stays yeah. in me when you've played a role like that eight times a week. And so it's something that I have to remind myself of as somebody who's sort of very like type A and goal oriented, you know, to sometimes take a step back and just be grateful for today Yeah, is, is, a, is not a bad idea. As we close out, Telly, tell me, what's the best career advice that you would pass on to our listeners, whether they're 
storytellers on as performers or they're storytellers in in other professions it's important to realize that in our minds as storytellers no matter what profession we're in that we are the star of our story Mm. and i think it's very important for you to sometimes go oh right that person thinks that they're the star of their story too (laughs) so it's important for you to go okay like I, I'm the star of mine. That person is the star of theirs. And yet, you know, in collaboration, no matter what it is that you're partnering to do together, it is you share the story. So it, it behooves the both of you to start going, okay, what is it like? What is their story like? Let me get into their head. Let me get into their heart and see the world through their eyes and walk in their shoes for a little bit. It, that's certainly something I do as an actor. I, I'm a professional at that. Like that, what I do for a living is walk in other people's shoes yeah. and make an audience you know, believe that I am that person. And that requires a bit of, that requires me to step outside of myself. And I think, I think that would be the best piece of career advice that I can sort of give no matter who, no matter what profession you're in is to go, you know, remember that you are the star of your story and you always will be, but that the other, that the people you're working with are the stars of theirs and take a minute to step out of your own show and put yourself in their show. For a bit. Absolutely. I love that. Well, Telly, thank you for being the star of our show today. Oh, thank you. It was great talking to you. And I'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Telly Leung, Broadway star and producer. You know, Telly had so many tips, and what I love is while he is in the creative space and a performer and a storyteller, his advice really resonates with anyone who is a leader and a professional in their space. You know, one of the big things that I really took away from our conversation with Telly was really understanding that notion of authenticity and what it is that you bring to the table. I love that story where he talked about sitting outside the audition room, really racking his brain, trying to meld his performance over what do they want? What do they want to see? What do they want to see in the character? And then realizing that it was all about what was the uniqueness that he was going to bring to the role? What was the background? What was the flair? So in your role, I want you to think about that same thing. Are you just trying to be that commodity like coffee, what everybody else is going to deliver? Or are you really going to stand out like that super premium brand like Starbucks that stands for something unique while you deliver whatever your talents and expertise are? Well, that's our show for you today. Happy LGBTQ plus Pride Month. So make sure that you are following or subscribing to the podcast so that you can get an episode every single week with an amazing openly LGBTQ plus leader talking about their career breakthroughs and their professional brand journey. Of course, visit leadwithyourbrand.com backslash pride where you can see our full curation of our favorite openly LGBTQ plus guests from 
from season one and two, including Patrick Gomez, the out editor-in-chief of the AV Club, CPA and broker Ivan Estrada, and gaming industry expert Gordon Bellamy. Of course, follow me on all social platforms at Jason Patria, and check me out on LinkedIn where I share many tips and tricks to help you lead with your brand every single day. And remember, in your career, don't be that boring commodity like coffee. Be a super premium brand just like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.